Hi guys. <laughs> Did anybody grow up in Boston? And if so, do y'all know um, Magic 106.7? They, I don't know if they still do this. They have Bedtime Magic, which is their evening radio show. Um, and I think it's uh, lead anchor or lead host was Delilah. And she would be like this, but like up an octave and a half and it would be very quiet and it would be evening time stories. <laughs> I don't know, I'm feeling a little quieter <laughs> tonight. Maybe because it's like dark and quiet. Anyway, how y'all doing? Welcome back to Galt's Radio and welcome to another episode here of The Vocal. Tonight I wanted to walk through something that is kind of fun to talk about, which is songwriters. Um, and use uh, a big diva that we all know, Miss Beyonce Giselle Knowles Carter, uh, as an example of someone that obviously works with many, many songwriters um, and gives them, of course, credit, but we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, but a lot of those uh, songs that be either purchases or she hears a demo and then she um, edits it a little bit and then she kind of retools it for herself. A lot of those demos are actually out there and they're still up on the internet and it's very cool to kind of hear their initial form and then all the way through to the version that we all know on one of the Beyonce albums. Now, listen, y'all, obviously two things are true here. Number one being that Beyonce works with legions of writers. If y'all have like read the blogs and the like, just the press that comes out around each um, each of her last like maybe four albums, she's kind of become infamous for these writing camps where she has writers, um, some of whom we like know as householdish names and some of whom we don't um, come to like some big rented mansion. I think the one big one that got kind of known was like, I think it was like a mansion in the Hamptons for the self-titled album, uh, which came out in 2013. And they just write, 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 write. And they each take a room. She gets something with like 20 rooms or something. And she has like a few production rooms. And then the writers go all over the house. And they're writing, writing, writing. And then Beyonce just like dips in and out. Um, so she's obviously someone that has like created a business form around these writing camps, which I think she actually plucked the idea of writing camps from something that like labels used to do. And then Beyonce is like, I'm my own label. Because at this point, she actually does own her own label. Um, so she does it just for herself. Um, so that's number one. Obviously, this is a woman that works with lots and lots and lots of writers. And, you know, not to discredit that part of Beyonce's artistry, but the truth is I don't think there's a single song out there that has a single name, just Beyonce Knowles Carter, um, as its writer. I think she is always co-writing. She's maybe starting the, the work herself, but then bringing someone else in, at least one other person uh, to finesse it, to work with her and to finish it. Sometimes it's the inverse where she hears something that already exists or is half done and then she takes it and edits it. These days, um, it's much more of like a sample game. And so if you look at the credits of like the Renaissance album, there's like, you know, 10, 20 writers on some of these songs. And then some of the writers that you see listed um, are the original writers of the original song that Beyonce has decided to sample. So she purchased the rights to many, many, many samples on Renaissance. It's almost like a, a sample circus in a way of like compiling things from the past and making them new, which I think is in the spirit of Renaissance. Uh, but then the original writers of those tracks are listed as the writers of the new song that then she is like writing on top of. And so if she's got the new writers and the old writers, it can be dozens of writers. A lot of artists that are like Beyonce get kind of criticized for this because it's seen as sometimes as like 
is this original or is this just like collage art of songwriting? And I think you could make the, the argument for either. I see Beyonce as a performer, obviously a singer, a dancer, someone that puts massive live shows together. Um, you know, a modern day Michael Jackson, self-proclaimed. Not necessarily do I see her as a songwriter, but um, you know, she's definitely put the pen to the paper and she's definitely tried to get the story out there in some of her documentaries that she's very much a part of the writing process. Uh, a story that I think has been made, uh, that has made its way around maybe even just pop culture at this point, but initially uh, maybe just the, the industry before it kind of like leaked out, especially these days as songwriters are talking about what they're making or not making on these songs, is that someone like Beyonce gets to a certain level of preeminence, basically pays for a song or like pulls writers into a room and no matter how much she contributes, she's basically getting top top billing so she's the lead she's like getting the top line she's the first writer in the sequence like if you were to go to wikipedia right now and look up all the songwriters b's number one even if she only did tiny little bit of the work and there's this like turn of phrase that's change a word get a third um, which used to mean something like a big star will hear a demo basically fully baked or hear a song that hasn't doesn't even have a demo yet change one word it could be like the gender of a pronoun or something and then get a third of the mechanical rights or the publishing rights to that song as the writer. I think Beyonce is even beyond that. I think she's getting more than a third for changing as little as a third. Um, but anyway, this is in the spirit of fun. I obviously am a huge fan of Beyonce. I'm not here to like try to tear her down or like make anything out of it. But, but um, I wanted to go through some of her like middle albums where songwriting was kind of more of a focus as she was becoming like the massive star that she is and pull some of the, the song references that do exist as demos out there from the artists that wrote them and maybe even performed them or put them up as demos and show you how much or in some cases how little changed um, when Beyonce took them on as her own. All right, we're going to start with Beyonce's third solo album, I Am slash Sasha Fierce. And this song is on the I Am side, which was basically like the ballad side. I saw this album as having like kind of fit B into the mold of like the Barbra Streisand. It was a lot of like big ballads, kind of like hooks that were like meant to fill arenas, a lot of like flowy gowns with wind being pushed through them and she had like long hair and she was just kind of like singing like it was really like a diva moment she obviously did a lot of like dance tracks with the like two girls and the single ladies of it all um but i remember this as her like i'm trying to be like to step into my like stand and deliver diva chapter um this song is kind of a fun little like party trivia because i don't know if there's very, very few people that know this original artist. He's very much from the like mid 2000s kind of like sad boy with a guitar songwriter phase. So kind of like, you know, maybe the Jason Mraz, the Gavin DeGraw, not that they're particularly sad into the like the fray, like that kind of era was his thing. His name was John McLaughlin or, or McLaughlin. I'm actually not 100% sure how to pronounce that. I loved him. He's a really beautiful songwriter and he has really lovely like you know maybe the the right way to categorize his chapter of like when he was out was like the ingrid michelson chapter it was when starbucks had the albums at the counter <laughs> do you know what i'm talking about and it was like sometimes they had the christmas albums or sometimes it was just like the starbucks 20 and it was like full coffee shop music like portlandia phase like that's kind of his moment but so the song smash into you which I, I swear to God, as soon as I say the title of this song, Beyonce's Smash Into You, I'm like trying on 
clothes in like a Marshalls, <laughs> like which I haven't done in like 10, 15 years, but also like it's kind of like the analog to the songs that you only hear in CVS. Now, like I'm here defending it. I think this is a great song, but that's kind of like the place that you're going. Like you're gonna maybe hear this one in TJ Maxx. Um, the original song is called Smack into you so in the spirit of change a word get a third beyonce becomes songwriter on this song for having changed i could count i could rewind and count but it is maybe the the same number of words as i have fingers on my left hand so you know in the spirit of songwriters do not always get the glory this one is very much true now y'all if i play more than like eight recognizable seconds of a beyonce song on and then post it to social media it will be taken down they know how to like protect her catalog. So I'm going to play like a wink and a nod of her song. And then I will play a little bit more of the songwriter song each time. So before I play uh smack in smack slash smash into you, I think it's hilarious that B did not like the word smack. The line is I want to run smack into you. Smack is an adverb in that line. Like I want to run full throttle into you. It doesn't mean physically smack you with my body into your body. And I think she just thought the word smash was more gentle, but what the word smash does in its place is it changes the line to, I want to run smash into you. That's not a, that's not a phrase. I don't think that's a great edit. And I think it doesn't make as much sense. Like that's not an adage. It's not a turn of phrase. So like her version is really, I want to run comma parentheses, but not sung and and parentheses smash into you. So I find hers like more violent because she's saying, I want to run and smash the f into you. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, here's a little bit of Beyonce's in case you've never heard this, in case you've never, you know, shopped in a store where this is playing in the changing room. That's probably more than I'm going to get away with playing. But also, uh, something that I will always hear when I hear it, when I listen to this song is that you can clearly hear an edit between I want to run, smash, cut into you, meaning they've comped the vocals. It's not a perfect blend. I won't replay it just for risk of like getting this video pulled down. But like, it's just kind of hilarious that she was like, I like, I want to run, but then I like that smash. You know, anything for the hit. Okay, so that's Beyonce's version, which doesn't make as much grammatical or syntactical sense. And here's John McLaughlin's version. It's literally the same key. It's the same track. Virtually nothing has been changed. All right, so even if the word smack isn't as like melodious, it makes literal sense. So B, I don't know. I don't know about that edit, but maybe she just needed to edit something so that she could become a writer because this is when she was like figuring that out. The one thing that she does add that I'm like very into is of course a vocal run. That's smack slash smash into you.
Y'all, your guess is as good as mine as to why this camera just like blurs and then doesn't unblur. I'm trying to catch it as it's happening. I'm not doing the best job. I'm working on it. I'm going to get a new camera at some point. Okay, now kind of like the magnum opus of like, or like the thesis statement of this content would be the album four. So Beyonce's fourth solo album. If you remember this album, it was her return to R&B. It was a lot of like 80s mixed in with like 2000s synth and then lots of like really like lots of melismas and runs and just big vocal moments. This was like her singer's album with some 80s influences. It was like a little Whitney Houston by Beyonce. Four is funny. So the reason it's funny is that Four was very much Beyonce going out and like just buying stuff and then like scooping it up, putting her vocal on it, and then there it goes. Or it's at least the one where we can like really track her doing this. One of the producers, I don't know if he was an executive producer or producer, um, but one of the folks that she worked with was named Jeff Basker. And I looked up Jeff's credits right before this. He worked with Kanye West. He worked with Bruno Mars. He worked with Harry Styles. And he did some work with Fun. Remember the group Fun? That's Jeff Basker. He's a white dude in LA. He's a songwriter producer. He like produces songs that then he, if he's releasing a demo or selling a demo, he sometimes sings them. So I have no, y'all, I have no idea how I found this. I found this probably 10 years ago. It defies research because like there's nothing trackable about it. But when uh, Jeff had written a lot of the songs, many of which Beyonce bought and put on four, he released them under a pseudonym as if he were his own artist. And maybe he does perform, um, which that pseudonym was... Billy Craven. He put them on a SoundCloud that you can literally look up right now called Craven Works, but please do not get it taken down because this is like a fun thing that's on the internet that I don't, <laughs> I like literally don't want people to know about. And he put the demos of many of the songs, um, more than just the ones that landed on four up with his voice. Now, they're not like the most beautiful listens. This is a producer who does not necessarily identify as a singer. He's probably just cutting the corner of paying a session singer like you know a thousand bucks or however much they get paid to come in and sing these vocals um so he's just like doing it himself it's just like me it's like there's someone in his own house just like singing on top of the thing so it's a stretch if he's writing for women or for higher tenors his voice doesn't sound great on it so like you know this isn't to judge him for him not sounding like an amazing singer it's more just that like i really thought that by this point in beyonce's career it was like more than just purchasing a track singing on it like karaoke and releasing it i thought it was like and maybe some of it was but it was like in my mind like a mind meld like she's in the studio she's birthing these songs with these people she's putting it all together with them she's like in the trenches and with the songs here some from jeff basker aka billy craven some from others like that's not the case and it's just kind of like strange so all right i'm gonna play a few songs from jeff basker's uh pseudonym soundcloud from the album four. Oh my god don't tell me they've been taken down i'm gonna be so sad i feel like there were more and now i'm only seeing two songs okay so one of the songs is probably top five for me favorite beyonce vocal moments like the my favorite thing that she's performed on stage now the renaissance tour she did it so much it was every night that i kind of got sick of seeing the videos of it and i feel like she's phoning it in now but 
really in a big way this song went from basically never being performed or being known as a big hit on her set list in homecoming this song got its flowers and then i think people really figured out oh my god this is an amazing song so beyonce's version of this song is called i care the version of the song that is on jeff basker's soundcloud is called who cares so this is who cares same track same exact track same key So already lyrical changes. She definitely changed this one, but the track's the same. Sounds like Bono there to me. Chorus. One of the coolest things that Beyonce, as Beyonce the vocalist, does to this song, um, not just as a songwriter but as a vocalist, is adding some like crazy riffs in the bridge to the last chorus. But I'm not gonna play them. We know what those are. If you don't, go look it up because like, welcome to culture. <laughs> just kidding. Am I? Now the second song and the last song actually in this SoundCloud collection that seems to be there is rather die young. Which I, y'all, I have to be honest. My friend Alec knows, and we talk about four probably as much as we talk about anything. Um, this is not my fave. And this is not my, this is not in the middle for me. Like this is in the bottom of this album for me. That's just, hey, that's golf tall take. Okay, that's just like how I feel. But this is Rather Die Young, the original demo. So some like the gender flip, you know. I don't know, this is like, it just doesn't do anything for me. The chorus is alright. And now here I'm like dancing. So I just think it's interesting that it's like, she doesn't even change the key. It's like, and maybe he wrote them for women, so she didn't, so she or whoever took them didn't need to, but like, it's literally just like, she's like, I'll come do karaoke on this track. I don't know. So those are two songs from Four um, by Jeff Basker. Okay, so that brings us to the self-titled of it all. Um, this was an album that I think Beyonce actually openly talked about. The Writer's Camp that we alluded to earlier. It's in, this. she had done a lot of, or she was starting to do her documentary thing at this time. I think it's on YouTube. I forget which one this is. Maybe this is the HBO doc. She actually films them. So... There, there are like videos of like all the writers in this big Hamptons house. R she's going room to room, pairing writers with producers, seeing what they come up with. Then she like lays it down, like she sings on it and then like moves to the next room. So you can actually go, she's, she's like fully owned this um, and is like proud of it because it's like her conjuring magic, you know, in the, in the like music cauldron with all of these artists. Um, the one that I want to focus on, this was definitely someone that people talked about as a known contributor to like pop songwriting for like that whole chapter of like the mid late to uh, 2010s which is Sia. So Sia was in that writer's camp. I think she was also in uh trying to write for what ended up being Lemonade and I don't think any of it got taken. This was also when Sia was writing for Adele and Rihanna so she was like shipping songs out. Like she was writing, putting songs out and then famously like 
all the ones that didn't get taken landed on her album called This Is Acting, where they were like demos that she didn't intend to sing, but then ended up singing, um, which is her whole story for how she became a pop icon. She was the demo singer for um, Titanium, I think. And if it wasn't Titanium, it was the one before that that I can't remember. And then the producer left her vocals on because they sounded better than whoever was meant to be on it. And I think it was Katy Perry. And then she was like, do I sue you or do I thank you for having like made me into... Uh, a pop star when I was trying to be behind the scenes. So anyway, Sia got involved in the writing process um, of Beyonce's albums and others. Um, this one, I think people, kn- I think people know about both of these, but um, one of them that didn't end up on the album, but then was like used for an H and M campaign. And then I think there's a version of it on Spotify from the deluxe album, um, which may have only been uploaded recently is standing on the sun. So if you don't know it, here's a little bit of Beyonce's. All right, and now here's Sia's. This is just a little bit. And then the one that did make it onto the album, and I loved this because it was actually just incidentally one of my favorites, is the first song, Pretty Hearts, which is, if you remember the visual album it was when Beyonce she starts the whole album on this song and she's like in the room dressed as like her young pageant self with all the trophies and I think she's like tearing the trophies off the wall and saying pretty actually hurts um so here's Beyonce's version And here's Sia's version. Oh, funny. I didn't even know she didn't sing the chorus. All right, last one. And again, this is by no means an exhaustive list. Um, This one's maybe my favorite. Um, This is the first song on Beyonce's 2016 album, Lemonade. Y'all, I swear, as soon as I heard this song and I very randomly and luckily watched the premiere of this live, um, we didn't know what it was and we certainly didn't even know until like halfway through that it was an album. But the first song, as soon as the chords started playing, she sings one line. I was like, I bet Kevin Garrett wrote this. The only reason that that occurred to me was because I was listening to a lot of this man, Kevin Garrett, at the time. Man, I mean, at the time he was like a kid, but... um, He's a songwriter and this kind of like neo-soul, very, very, very ballad-heavy, um, kind of minimalist piano with voice. And I had been listening to, he, I don't even think he had a full album out at the time. He was just putting out EPs and singles. And I was really, really into him. I have no idea how I found him. It would be interesting if I could trace that. But it just sounded just like him. And no one else had that sonic thumbprint that Kevin had, especially with piano. And Beyonce kept the piano in the track. So I was like... I bet those are literally Kevin's hands playing the piano. So anyway, shout out Kevin Garrett. You've had a really strong flavor since the beginning and like the real ones know. Um, Anyway, so Kevin's demo is actually just a live version on YouTube. It's beautiful. Um, So I'm going to play first a little bit of Beyonce's and then more of Kevin's. Here's Beyonce's. You can taste the dishonesty. It's all over your breath. As you pass it off so cavalier. My lonely Pressed against the walls of your world Pray to catch you whispering Pray to catch me listening I don't know. 
I you listen to enough of this guy and you can like hear the way his fingers move and like I can tell that's him. So anyway, here's Kevin playing his own song, Pray You Catch Me. You can taste it is honesty, it's all over my breath. As I pass it off so carefully But even that's a test Constantly aware of it all My lonely Press against the walls of your world Praying I catch you whispering Praying you catch me listening I'm praying I catch you whispering Praying you catch me all right so that's my man kevin garrett kevin i saw you in boston at a tiny little show in the middle east upstairs it must have been like winter 2017 you killed it you killed it i think you actually played that and i was like on one in the front or in the back all right y'all so those are some songs that i thought would be fun to share as demos from before beyonce did them to once Beyonce did them. As you can see, sometimes not a lot changes, but where would stars like Beyonce be without these brilliant songwriters? And I think it's such a skill and a craft, those that can write for their own voice or kind of invert it and write actually for someone else's voice or for like an omniscient person that they don't know who will take the song. In all of these cases, I think it's so interesting that Beyonce didn't change the key. And in many of these cases, Beyonce was working with or bought the songs from male songwriters. So I think it's kind of interesting. Maybe she kind of takes it as a challenge to like stretch her range or to like give it a shot or hear a different texture of her voice or a different register than she would normally um, because men have written it those or just folks with different voices than her um, but anyway y'all hope you enjoyed this i know there's like tiktokers like crazy out there talking about like song samples and blah, blah 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 but like i've never heard anyone talk about the ones at least from four before and maybe i introduced you to kevin garrett tonight so if that is the case then i take that as a win i hope y'all enjoyed are there artists are there songwriters that you would like me to talk about on galt's radio please let me know chime in and i'll see you next time on the vocal